Hi, my name is Ramila, and this is Secret Life of Sibs. Millions of people across the world have special needs that affect their daily lives. We often hear about their parents' experiences, but we rarely hear about the people that grew alongside them, the siblings that are fundamentally changed by this experience. I'm one of those siblings, and I hope to share the stories of many more. Our guest today is Andy Lichtenstein, a full-time caregiver to his brother. Well, hi, Andy. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Yeah. So just to start off, um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? So, you know, where you're from, where where you are right now, and your sibling? Yeah. um, I'm from uh, Pennsylvania. I live in Wynwood. Um, My brother, Matthew... He has a cerebral palsy, more specific, uh, spastic quadriplegia. And uh, I've been his caregiver since 2012. Like, I've always done, like, had, like, a caregiver role in his life, but I more more so took it on more seriously in 2012. Okay. And then when you took it out, took it on in 2012, were you, was it, like, when you were, when you turned 18, or? Well, I, I turned 18 in, like, 2010, and I, uh, I was... I graduated from Temple University in 2014, and it was more so that the aids that we were getting for him, like the home health aids and stuff, weren't that great. So it was either he had to go live in a facility of some kind, or I could help, so I chose to help. And are your parents in the picture at all? Uh, yeah, my, my mom is in the picture, but she's also handicapped, um, so I help her too. How has caregiving been, been? Because, you know, I I know that it's not easy because, you know, siblings usually do it from a pretty young age, but then taking on that full-time role, what was that transition like? Um, it, it wasn't that hard in the beginning because it was, like, just stuff that I was already used to doing, kind of. It's just, like, now I'm doing it officially through, like, an agency. But, um, but over the years, like, his care has gotten harder because, like, more health issues arise. So it's, like, the, the learning process for each thing that happens is, uh, it can get stressful. Like, like now he's got, like, a like a feeding tube, a, a Foley catheter, a bunch of other stuff, and it, it can get stressful at times. Um, I guess we, we also have the added, uh, I'm, a, like, I'm, I'm adopted, so, um, we have the added barrier of like, I, I'm black, he's white. So if I take him to the doctor or the hospital, they don't automatically assume we're siblings. They just assume like, oh, you're just like a paid caregiver from some random agency. And it's like, and so it's like, we've had to, they've assumed he's come from a group home or, or a facility just because of, of the difference of our race, which is an annoyance. <laughs> but, but, uh, but yeah, once they uh, get past that, it's usually fine. Mm-hmm. And what's your relationship like with Matthew? You know, we have our usual, you know, brother type relationship, you know. And, then you know, then there's times where, like, it's an interesting dynamic because, like, I'm his caregiver, like, who wants to keep him safe and have his health be my top priority. And then also, you know, he, I'm not an authority figure. I'm, I'm his brother. So, like, we'll be arguing about something 
Like, it's like, why, why are you arguing with me? If I wasn't your brother, you wouldn't be arguing with me, you know? So, but it's like, you know, it, there's times where it almost feels like I'm being a parent kind of. So like, it's, so it's like, I'm taking on three roles. I'm his brother, I'm his caregiver, and also like a parenting role. But, uh, but yeah, our, our relationship is good for the most part. Yeah, that's good. I, I understand what you're saying about the kind of feeling like a parent because I, like my brother and I were twins. Um, but even but even then, like um, sometimes like the way I have to talk to him in order to get him to listen or, you know, it, it feels like I'm like a stern parent. And I kind of <laughs> hate that. Like I'll, I'll hear it in my voice. And I'm like, but I, I should not be speaking to you this yeah, way. I'm your sister. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, definitely a weird like meshing of boundaries. Um, but you know, as a caregiver, even like as a sibling, like before you took on that full time caregiver role, uh, did you feel like you had resources for you or like people you could talk to about you know things that were going on in your life? No, I think I think that's the. Not the worst part. It, that, that's a bad phrasing. It's like you have so much that you want to talk about and that you want to say, but it's like your, your friends in your life, unless they're like going through like like a similar situation, they have no idea what you're even stressing about. And then you want to talk to your parents about it. And it's like you, you have this internal battle of like, is what I'm feeling even valid? Because it's like you have a firsthand glimpse at what life could have been like for you if just a few things were different. So it's like you almost self-invalidate your feelings, but you're you're allowed entitled to those feelings. So it's like I wish I could have had this group like when I was younger, it would have helped a lot. Yeah, Sib twenty, I, I just found it over the pandemic and it was a godsend because I was like, oh my gosh, there's like fifteen hundred members of this group, people who have somewhat similar life experiences and it was kind of life-changing which sounds dramatic but yeah um, yeah you know it's really isolating and some also something else i wanted to you know you mentioned you graduated college in uh you said 2010 no 2014 2014 I'm sorry um but I graduated in 2014 so did you did you always expect to take on the the caregiver role like after you graduated or was it something that just happened I like I expected to you know probably be like his guardian after my after my mom passed away at some point but I didn't I didn't fully expect to take on the caregiver role like when it when I first took it on it was like his care wasn't that extreme at that point and then the more extreme it got, the less resources there were for him. So like he, he used to just need just standard home health aides where they have, they're like on a conveyor belt. They just, they just come out. Whereas, whereas like he, he's now at a skilled nursing level of care, which, which given the pandemic, they're already short staffed. So you can't get them out here. And so he's at a point in his life where it's literally two choices. It's either he informally gets care from me or he has to live in respite indefinitely until nurses show up. So, you know, me, me as a person, I want to have more freedom, but like me as his brother who loves him, doesn't want to see him in a facility and he doesn't want to go. So, yeah. I, so, you know, it's a, 
like you don't know what to do it's like do i want to live for me or for him if i live for me i'm almost making the choice for him that he ha that he loses his freedom you know and it's like as as his brother i don't i can't do that to him so so I, i'm just doing what i'm doing it's a catch-22 right like there's a sacrifice either way yeah um because if you don't do it like that feeling it almost feels selfish right like, exactly yeah like wanting wanting to live for yourself which it shouldn't feel that way but it, that's the situation that we're in and that's you know what we live with and, exactly yeah. you know like so ever since you know you started um just like informally you know giving his care and um you said also with your mom can you speak to some of like i guess the positive sides and also the negative sides of your life and how it's been going taking care of both of both your brother and your mom yeah um i think the the positive part is like i i think i'm more empathetic to to people more so than i would have been if i wasn't doing this like for every situation growing up i put myself in my brother's position like how would i feel if this was happening to me you know and um and same with my mom like i'm sure everything that's the thing another thing i don't think like people really think about is like everything that that a sibling is feeling like a parent probably felt the same way it's like just sending your just like sending your kid to school it's like you're used to taking care of them and now you have to trust someone else to do it but for the for the positive side i believe i'm more empathetic towards people and like i i have more patience i guess like it, it takes a lot <laughs> to get me upset <laughs> so, so so like yeah so like um and then the negatives of course are just like you know a lack of free time or a, a lack of freedom i guess and uh you know wish wishing that i could do more things with my friends or whatever that i would want to like uh but you know you just you just can't and it's like i wish i had this group more so just even just to vent like therapy wasn't really an option when i was younger just to be able to to say what I need to say and then go back to whatever I was doing would have been a godsend. Mm -hmm. That catharsis, that like outlet just doesn't really exist for a sibling. Like, like even like talking to parents isn't always like the best option, right? Cause they have their own feelings that they're dealing with and it's really hard for them to put themselves in our shoes sometimes. Um, and vice versa too. Right. right? Um, and like, yeah, for me growing up, like therapy wasn't really an option either. Um, so I just kind of like dealt with it. I didn't really, you know, open up to anyone about this stuff because nobody gets it. Like nobody who isn't other siblings um, is going to get it. But and like, have you, how has that, you know, affected your relationships with other, with your friends or I don't know, like any romantic relationships or whatever? With, with my friends, it's almost, it's like they understand to a point, but it's like, it's more so I feel like they take pity on me rather than like re really empathizing with my situation. Like they'll, like they'll avoid asking me to do stuff sometimes just cause they don't want to, like, I, I can see where they're coming from where it's like, well, do we ask Andy? Well, he probably can't go. And it should be nice. We should just be nice and ask him, but he's probably going to say no. And we don't want to make him feel worse about, you know, if he can't go, you know, stuff like that. And then, and then in terms of like, like romantic relationships like i've i've had a few but like there's my brother's care is usually 
like taking priority. I don't know. Have you ever, have you ever had like the situation where like your parents will be talking about, well, when you get married and you have kids and stuff and it's like with, with what time, where, when, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I, I feel that cause I feel like, you know, whenever I like I, I date, like, you know, my brother and I are a package deal. Right, exactly. Um, yeah. Cause in the future, um, in the future, when my parents are no longer able to take care of him, like that's going to be me. Um, and so you're like entering this relationship with another person in the mix and the other per- party has to be okay with it. Otherwise it's not going to exactly, work. Exactly, <laughs> right. So, so it's like, if, if they told me no, that like, that's not going to work. I'm like, well, that don't, I'll see you later. Like, I don't know what to say, you know? Yeah. Which I feel like in a way can be almost a good way to, uh, kind of filter out the people that don't have the needed like empathy and like in compassion that like you know someone yeah. has like we have to have um and we want our partner to have right like anybody would want those qualities in a partner yeah exactly yeah so now you 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 know told me earlier that you're you're 29 so now as an adult like how how do you you know what's your biggest concern surrounding your family in the future like you know what are your hopes and and concerns i guess my my biggest concern probably is you know even though my mom is also handicapped she's also like my support system to some, to some degree and like you know if i'm handling all of the physical stuff with matthew and all of his caregiving she's like doing everything behind the scenes with like paying bills or doing whatever even though it's like my paychecks pay the bills she's like she does that and you know my my mom is she turns 70 in two months so it's like you know i don't know i'm hoping she lives to 99 <laughs> but you know i can't be guaranteed that that's going to happen and it's like her end of life stuff that my brother obviously can't participate in so it's like a whole that's a whole another level of anxiety that i have in conjunction with uh with my brother so and just his care has gotten to a point where it's pretty extreme all around. So it's just a matter of like, you, you can't predict what's going to happen each day. And like, you, you can't do that in a quote unquote regular life. But like with, with Matthew, I have to be like on my toes every day to like be ready to answer something. But yeah, I, I would say that those are the biggest things right now for me. Definitely, like, the older we get, the older our parents get. And, yeah, like you said, for me, like, my parents are also a huge support system because they're one of the few people in my life who understand what it's like. I mean, obviously, it's a slightly different perspective, but they get it. And, you know, losing them is, like, it's not a reality that, like, like, sometimes my my mind will go to these dark places. (laughs) Like, oh, my gosh, like, what happens when they're not there? And it's such a lonely thought. And like I don't like my brother like isn't wouldn't really be at a cognitive level to under to really process the concept of of death, and that's an added layer of of loneliness is dealing with that by yourself. But I wanted to ask. There's two questions that I ask everyone <laughs> um, that come on this on Secret Life of Sibs, and so the first is we we kind of already discussed this, but. What is one thing you wish people knew about life as a sibling to a special needs person? One thing that I wish people knew is like, like we're, we're, we're people too. Like, you know, it's, it's, um, 
like this term I, I heard used on the Facebook group was called glass children, which was, um, I've never heard that term before, but it's like, I wish that people would see that. Like, even though we, we might give off the impression that like we have it together, like we, we don't, you know, like, you know, we, we, we kind of just have to like force it. And I, and I wish that like people would know, like, like ask how we are like, yeah, of course, ask how our siblings are, but like, just take that extra two seconds to be like, and are you okay too? Cause we're, we're just as important as, as they are. They might have more needs in the moment, but you know, we have needs too. So I just wish that that would be something people would do more often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I also just recently heard about the term glass children, which um, for anyone listening, uh, glass children is basically like the concept of um, like a lot of siblings um, who have higher needs siblings like they're called glass children because parents and in general society tend to kind of look through us and see the person who needs more who needs more in the moment um, like you said yeah when I when I, I there was a TED talk about it and I listened to it and I was like oh my gosh <laughs> like wow yeah I was like, I have never felt more understood or validated uh-huh. than, than just than right there, you know? Yeah. It's kind of an incredible feeling to just, like, just to be validated. Yeah. But, okay. And then the other question that I ask everyone is, what's one piece of advice that you'd give to someone else growing up in a situation like yours? One piece of advice I would give is try to seek out groups like, like sip 20 i mean like just to have that that uh you know if you want to ask a question or you know just to get a reality check sometimes like from other people going through the same thing Mm -hmm. um i think it's also one of probably one of the best places for resources if you're a caregiver because there's not a lot of them like there's google of course but like a lot of people on different groups or forums or reddit or people going through the same thing you are is like you can ask them like you know a real world question because they're probably someone in the group is probably going through the same thing and can give you a better answer than your local social security office will give you know so it's like i would say the biggest piece of advice would be to seek out other people with since we have the internet for people going through a similar situation so you don't so you just don't feel alone and like get stuck in a negative mindset of like nobody knows what i'm going through when there's tons of people that do. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Andy, I appreciate you um, coming on here and sharing your experience because I'm, I'm sure that you are not the only one. So thank you so much for that. Oh, no problem. And thank you for the opportunity to do it. Thank you for taking the time to peek into the secret life of Sibs with me and our guest, Andy. If you're a sibling, we hope you know that you're not alone. And if you're not a sibling, we hope you got to learn about a new perspective. Go ahead and follow to turn on notifications for upcoming episodes, and look to the description box for a list of resources specifically for siblings. Welcome to the secret life, and see you next time.